Footy Ado, the Delusional Soccer Podcast. Footy Ado, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. Welcome in. You are listening to Footy Ado, a delusional soccer podcast. Um, soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. I just wanted to say that because I finally memorized that. Um, but it's, it's the definition, man. It, That's exactly what the word means. It's in the dictionary. It's common knowledge. Um, everybody knows it at this point. Um, yeah. I am Zach Raymond. I am joined by the Bachelorette's finest. Uh, yeah, Jared Raymond here. Jared, before we dive into the football, tell us what happened at the gym today. Um, yeah, I was on the treadmill warming up for my uh, for my workout. Humble brag, and a, a woman, a young woman, probably about my age, came up to me and asked if I had any interest in being. On the Bachelorette, she was a, a casting recruiter, and she was wandering the gym looking for people. And she came up to me and said, "Is there any? Would you ever? Did you, would you ever have any interest in doing this, or are, are you single?" And I said, "No, I'm not single." Um, and she asked if I had any friends that might be into it. I said, "I don't know." And I took a card. She's like, "I'll give you my card," and I have her card now to prove that it uh, indeed did happen it's interesting to see how the recruitment goes it's like hey do you want to do this now okay do you know literally any other people yeah i could send them anyone yeah like obviously i mean like think about it they're looking at the gym so they're looking for you know physically active fit i mean you 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 know people everyone knows what type of guys are on the bachelor they're normally six-pack abs like ribs and stuff like that so like that's where you look but to ask me if I have any friends, um, assuming that I I just hang out with with guys that look like they should be on the Bachelorette. To be fair, I don't think I should be on the Bachelorette. And um, but yeah. like you could literally put them in contact with anybody. And I I don't think he listens to the podcast. You could like send him John, and they'd have no yeah. idea what what's coming. You know. And if he does listen to the podcast, sorry, but, like, you're not a soccer fan, so I feel like I can call you out. I do, yeah, I do like that we do that, where we just mention, name drop, you know, some of our friends who, who know we have a podcast, and just to see if it ever comes up in conversation, whether or not they, they hey, I didn't, I wasn't uh, too thrilled at that, uh, that uh, mention that you gave me on the podcast, and it just it shows you who your real friends are who listens to the episodes. Like, let's we should go through the list of this this group chat we have because I'm in this group chat, and one, I am confident that I should not go on the Bachelorette for a multitude of reasons, but there's no one in this group chat that should. Eh, maybe Mike, but Mike obvious, now obviously like not single. Blow up Mike, 2019 Mike. Yeah, 2019 Man, 2019, 2019 Mike, Tarzan Mike, get on there. But Have listen, get on me. Sal, no. John, no. Matt, no. I mean, you could throw Nick on there. He's you know Air Force. You know the the wedding would take place probably. I know Nick. Considering he's military, <laughs> considering he's military, if Nick were on the Bachelorette, he'd actually 
they'd actually get married halfway through the show. <laughs> There'd still be 12 other contestants yet, military wedding. I know Nick too much to know. To, to, I know him too much to think that he should be on there. There's no way. The guy's an idiot. I mean, that yeah, seems like... That seems... We're, talking, we're talking on site here. Would okay. I smash? Okay, yeah. In, in as many words, yeah. Would you put him on? I mean, I think he could make it. I think it'd be... I mean, I don't know. Not to disrespect Katie Deeds, but like... Plus, it's good to have people spread out across the country. You got Nick from rural Mississippi. Yeah. I want to finish my sentence because it really just sounded like Nick needs to go on The Bachelorette to replace her. Not to disrespect her and just, you know, she take, doesn't take her boyfriend podcast. out of there. She doesn't... Fuck her, pardon my French, but what a bitch. Let's get into the football. Enough Bachelorette talk. Four and a half minutes of Bachelorette talk. Um, the football was exciting if you are not a fan of Arsenal this weekend. Man City Chelsea was our... What was that? Yes, you can't say that on the podcast. I can't call someone a bitch? No. Why? Oh. Man City 2, Chelsea 1. All three goals took place in the first half. Uh, N'Golo Conte, obviously he was going to score the first goal. I knew that. He loves Torn against City. He does. De Bruyne just eight minutes later uh, equalizes, and then another eight minutes later, Riyad Mahrez with a brilliant goal, and uh, City take all three points. Um, Kind of what was expected from from this matchup, especially with it taking place at the Etihad, but City were... City ha- have not been as impressive this season, maybe as we expected, or as impressive as they were last year, um, the last two years, really. Um, and Chelsea have really outdone expectations up to this point, but uh, they could not could not uh, turn it around in the second half uh, at at the Etihad. Yeah, um, like you said, I mean, I I, I don't think. It would have been crazy to think City losing two games in a row. Um, there would have been some big questions asked to Pep had that happened. Um, but, I mean, I was I was particularly, give, despite the result, I was particularly impressed with what Chelsea were able to do. Considering you look at them last year, their game at the Etihad, they lost 6-0. Um, and you're coming back with a bunch of young players, new, really, I don't want to say untested, but like a newly tested um, manager in Frank Lampard going up against uh, Pep Guardiola. And I think, especially in the first 20, 25 minutes of the game, Chelsea really uh, dominated proceedings. Uh, City were having trouble getting the ball. I thought Chelsea's midfield was very strong. Um, and, of course, they got that goal. And, you know, but, you know, City are, they're, they're champions, they're clinical, and they're going to capitalize on your mistakes. And as good as Jorginho has been this season and as good as he was to start that game, because I felt him and Kovacic were really running the show in the beginning, um, a bad mistake on one of his passes, a careless pass that uh, ended up being punished by the champions. Uh, and uh, Riyad Mahrez, just uh, still somehow an underrated player um, and an incredible goal. And, you know, City, City deserved to win. As good as Chelsea looked at times and as, you know, uh, keeping you know the stat was that they Pep's lowest ever possession. Um, I don't know if that was in the Premier League or just overall, but um, Chelsea were 
were no pushovers, which was, you know, promising to see from this young side. Yeah, um, and, you know, looking at the stats, the uh, the possession is not always telling, but it's not easy to go away to a Pep Guardiola side and have the majority of the possession, which Chelsea did, albeit it was only 54 to 46, but um, impressive nonetheless. And, like, this, this Frank Lampard side has... Um, surely outdone our expectations and I would assume most people's expectations of what they could do this season. Um, and, you know, there there have been promising signs. Um, like you said, Jorginho, um, who maybe didn't have the, the greatest game. It's good to have Conte, uh, you know, playing and scoring. So if he's going to be, if we're going to criticize managers, whether it be Lampard or Murcio Sarri last season for not playing Conte in that holder's role, uh, we have to praise them when what they when they get it right. Conte got the opening goal, um, and he shows that he is a bit of a threat going forward. Um, what did you think of the uh, of the front three play from Chelsea um, at the Etihad between uh, Tammy Abraham, William, and Christian Pulisic? Um, how, how did they were they threatening enough? No, I mean it just I think, wasn't their day. It just wasn't their day. I mean, I think I think at times Pulisic looked threatening in the beginning, certainly in the early part when Chelsea were um were sort of dominating possession early on and really were the better side, I think, in the first uh first twenty minutes. Uh Abraham had some nice hold up play, but again, you know, they didn't create enough chances. And that and that goes for uh Willian as well. Um but I think, you know, I think Abraham was criticized for his game, and I think rightfully so. I mean, he's he's up on the top of the scorers uh, list in the league this season, but he needs to do it against the bigger, the bigger clubs. I thought I thought he did. Okay, I think I'm like everything but getting a goal. I think the hold up play was pretty, pretty nice, and I, you know, obviously those those two quick city goals kind of changed the complexity of the game. But um, you know, you compare what Abraham was able to do and then what Batshuayi was able to do when he came on. You know, Batshuayi has had a great start to the season as a backup striker, come on and scored some important goals, really looked poor um, when they needed him to come on and provide a spark as they were pushing for the game, and it really sort of took away any sort of buzz or any chance that Chelsea had in coming back because, the, you know, he had multiple offside uh calls, a couple of missed touches, just never really worked his way into the game. And I think it was evident that Abraham was was much better, uh, you know, comparatively. But again, yeah, not good enough. Now, uh, Chelsea coming into this game had won six matches in a row. Um, the last time they had lost was to Liverpool 2-1. So against the two teams that everyone expected to be challenging for the title this season, Liverpool and City, Chelsea have played them close. Now we know that uh, that four 0 loss on the opening day to a struggling, a now struggling Manchester United side um, doesn't look good. But a new manager going away to Old Trafford with a young team that that can happen. He's really done well to to turn things around, and you know the the next step for Chelsea is to win, you know against one of those, you know, big opponents, which they have not done. You know, they drew with Leicester uh, in the second match and uh, 
Now, of course, Leicester are not part of that big six, but um, they're sitting in second place right now, so uh, we're going to consider them a, a big opponent this year. So Chelsea are doing the right things against the smaller the smaller teams, but like you said, Tammy Abraham has to show up against the big clubs. the The entire team needs to needs to be a part of that. Um, yeah, and it, I mean, it just shows it just shows that they're you know they're up there. Um, with those teams, but they're just maybe just outside of a, out of a, a true a true title challenge. If there is going to be any sort of title challenge, it'll be between those three teams. And I think Chelsea will just sit right outside that. But I think these are important games for them to sort of get in. And I think in you know years time, two years, they'll they'll be winning winning those games. And this, these are learning experiences for them because they are ahead of where I think many of us expect them to be. Yeah, and uh, this match just took City ahead of Chelsea in the table. Um, they move up to third, only two points ahead of Chelsea now. So um, they were one point behind heading into the match. Chelsea, though, sitting in fourth place, seven points clear of fifth. And that fifth place team right now is Wolverhampton. So um, Chelsea, even with a loss here, in a very good position, 13 games into the season, just, uh, you know, a third into the season, seven points um, safe in the top four. Really, all you could ask for from from this side, given um, the expectations coming into the season. Um, as far as it goes for City, they are they were expected to challenge for the title, and right now they sit nine points off the top um, because Liverpool have only dropped uh, two points. That that there was just one draw uh, against Manchester United at Old Trafford, and. Uh, you know that's that's really the the only hiccup they've had as far as the results go. Now they haven't played perfect football this season, but um, they're finding a way to to squeak wins out. Um, and on that note, let's uh, go away from the original plan uh, just to you know really uh, showcase this segue into Liverpool uh, squeaking by and beating Crystal Palace two one. Um, Sadio Mane scored in the 49th minute. You know goes into halftime at Selhurst Park, nil-nil. Crystal Palace had to be happy with that. Um, Wilfred Zaha scores in the 82nd minute, and then just three minutes later, Firmino uh, scores the winner. So, like I said, not their best performance, um, and somehow they still come away with three points. Yeah, I mean, it's it's getting to the point where you just expect them, no matter what, no matter what situation they're in, they're going to come away with um, the win. They're going to get that goal. Uh, it'll be scary to see this team. If, like, I mean, they started the season off pretty strong, playing pretty well, and then they've gone at this little dip where they're not playing well, but they're still getting wins. I mean, and they looked great against Man City. Um, so against like, Crystal Palace, who has had a great start to the season, it, 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 like they've had some. They're not in the best form right now in terms of their win loss record, considering they've played a lot of the top clubs as of late. But they had a strong start to the season, and they're no pushover. And uh, Liverpool struggled, but you know they have that sort of champion mentality that's that's helping them now. It, it could be pretty scary to see if they can get through the Christmas period and still be in the similar position that they are now. Um, I think that the they're going to go on and, and do what needs to be done. Yeah, um, for Crystal Palace, it's it has been a tough run of games. Their last five, they have one point. 
uh, a draw and four losses. But it's a 2-0 loss to Man City, a 2-2 draw with Arsenal, a 2-0 loss to Leicester, 2-0 loss to Chelsea, 2-1 loss to Liverpool. So five straight matches against teams that would be expected to beat them. Of course, Arsenal the only one incapable of doing so. Um, So certainly a tough run, but... After a tough period, they're going to go up against Burnley uh, in their next match. Now, Burnley are up in seventh, uh, you know, two wins on the bounce, two 3-0 wins on the bounce. And it's going to be interesting to see what Crystal Palace do against one of these sides that isn't big, that they should be kind of, you know, matching up well with going head-to-head pretty well with. Um, But they have not won since October 5th against West Ham. So... Yeah, a, a, a poor run, but a poor stretch on the schedule for Palace. Yeah, there's all. I mean, it's all about context when it comes to to Palace because I think before that run they were sitting up in fourth, or you know they were in the mm-hmm. top six. So uh, obviously they were going to come down to earth after that that stretch. But I mean, the way they started the season, they're still sitting in a comfortable thirteenth place. They're you know they're they're four, only four four points behind fifth place Wolves. So yeah, um, they. You know, hopefully they'll see a better run soon, a better stretch of matches for them to sort of uh, reassert themselves as a team that's um, going to fight in that top, that upper half. Yeah, they're they're closer to Europa League qualification than they are to relegation right now. So, all things considered, uh, Palace shouldn't be too upset, even though the the, the run has been um, less than ideal. Um, Liverpool now four wins on the bounce. They haven't won or they haven't lost this season. Um, are they ever going to lose? It, it really doesn't seem like it. But but again, we always get carried away at this time of year. You know the yes. you know, papers posting. I know you always come back to it. Is when they were saying it, when the article was invincible when Chelsea had, um, had unbeaten after eleven. Right, so we uh, this is around the time we're like, oh, the questions are starting to get asked, but there's still so much. Uh, football to be played, and um, you know they've only played City once, they've only played Chelsea once, they've only played Leicester once, um, and then there's always those other games you know that can that can slip up. A resurgent Tottenham could be a team that gives them problems uh, down the line. They're gonna, I think they're gonna they're gonna lose a game, and I I think that's more down to how hard this league is to to win and um, you know win every game and. and go un, unbeaten. I think it's harder than maybe it was back when the Invincibles were um, the talk of the town. But n- not to take away from what Arsenal did back then. I'm just saying it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy to even comprehend that happening now. Yeah, um, and the one thing I will say about Liverpool is to me it's a bit worrying that you know even though they they've won 12 out of 13 and drew the other. They have only kept two clean sheets in 13 league matches this season. Yeah, um, the defense has not been as strong as it has uh, been. They've been, yeah, getting bailed out by their, their offense in times. Yeah, they, they kept a clean sheet against Burnley, a 3-0 win on August the 31st. And then on September the 28th, they kept a clean sheet away with a 1-0 win against Sheffield, which that match they barely... Uh, they barely won. It was a goalkeeper mistake, of course. So um, close, close to having a draw there, but only two clean sheets. You know, they gave up. They're they're not conceding multiple goals, um, but they are 
they are conceding. So um, it, it is interesting. You know, they they do only have two clean sheets, but in the other in the eleven matches that they've allowed goals, they have uh, they have only allowed one goal. So. Um, it's not like they're just leaking in goals from every direction and still coming away with wins. They're 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 solid, just not up to that level that they were at last season. Um, let's uh, move on over to Jose Mourinho's first game in charge of Tottenham. Uh, a three-two win. They had a three-nil lead that uh, kind of slipped away late. A VAR decision took away a goal from West Ham. Uh, a couple of minutes before they did end up getting that second goal, which, I mean, it came too late in the 96th minute, but um, Sun scored, Lucas Mora scored, and Harry Kane scored. Really, that's all you could ask for. Those are the three players that should be scoring goals for the team, the front three, and they uh, they did just that. Dele Alley was magnificent in this game. Um, I think he's going to be very good under Jose Mourinho. I saw the quote... Um, that he he reportedly said to Dele Ali, "Are you Dele Ali or are you Dele's brother?" I mean, I'm Dele. Then play like him. He's just encouraging him to go out and be himself, which Jose Mourinho sometimes that you know proceeds a scapegoating later uh, from a poor in a poor performance. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that. But I think that he's going to be very good under Mourinho and uh, Tottenham getting away win. Yeah, and I mean, you look at look at who Mourinho has managed. Um, you know, one of the big things that they've always talked about with Dele Alli is being a, a goal-scoring midfielder. Um, one that, you know, England, you know, the, the country of England hasn't doesn't really see all that often. You look back on, like, Frank Lampard, who um, scored in a, cr- a crazy amount of goals from midfield. And, you know, sometimes the comparison was there with Dele Alli, not in terms of style of play, but just positioning and... And, and scoring goals, and now he has Lampard's old manager. Um, it could be interesting. This could be, you know, a, uh, a project for Jose Mourinho to really um, get the best out of Dele. Um, and this, I mean, this first team is so talented, you know, and changing managers we often see really has a positive effect. And when it's a manager, is with the quality of Jose Mourinho, um, with the setup that Spurs have that, that are, can suit Mourinho's style pretty well. Um, uh, it looks like that this is just the beginning for them, and they're going to start climbing up the table. You know, we, we're, ta- we're talking about them last week, you know, before the sacking. We're talking about it with the sacking, how the, the poor position they're in, and now they're, you know, they're up in 10th, only two points out of the top five. So uh, everything's looking looking much brighter for them. Yeah, um, it definitely is, and... But looking at West Ham, they are struggling. They have two draws and five losses in their last seven. They have not won since September the 22nd against Manchester United somehow. Um, nothing about the Premier League makes sense this season. That's that's what I'm realizing as I look at previous results. But it's three losses in a row um, in which they've conceded three goals in each. And Manuel Pellegrini is going to be on the hot seat right now. They are in 17th place. They are three points above the drop zone, but uh, they are the closest to it without being in it. 
So uh, it doesn't look like it's going to get better considering their next opponent is Chelsea. So what, you know, the way they started the season, you know, they won three of their first six, having only lost on the opening day to City. It was a 5-0 loss, but it it was Manchester City. So uh, what what are we supposed to expect from this this West Ham side? I don't know. I mean, it's sort of they've they've really just faltered. It doesn't seem like because this is. I mean, given who your manager is, you have Man- Manuel Pellegrini, who's won the Premier League before. You know, you got the money. Uh, you got the nice stadium, stuff like that. West Ham are supposed to be when you talk about it. They're supposed to be high at that table. They're supposed to be in and around sixth, seventh, eighth, um, and they had been. You know. You know, they, they started the season pretty well, but now we're looking at teams like Wolves, Sheffield, United, and Burnley are up there. And they, you know, teams like Wolves and Burnley are making a habit of being up there. Whereas West Ham has, you know, and we might get to and Everton as well, teams that you expect a lot from uh, that are that are really faltering. And, um, you know, they need, to, they need to start shoring things up. Because, I mean... It's just it's really not looking good. They should they should never be anywhere near the relegation zone. Yeah, and not that um, they would have been the favorite going into all uh, of these games that you know they're they're dropping points in, but in the last seven, Tottenham is really the only big club that you would exp- that you're gonna sit there and say, ah, yeah, they're definitely gonna win. You know, they drew with Bournemouth, they lost to Palace, they lost to Everton, they drew with Sheffield, Sheffield, you know, uh, maybe you can take out of the bunch as well because they're having a fantastic season. Um, but they lost to Newcastle. They lost to Burnley. You know, they're, it's not this similar run that Crystal Palace are on where they're playing all the big clubs right in a row. They're losing against the sides that they need to be competitive with to stay in the Premier League. And th- I think that's the, wor- the most worrying thing about West Ham. They should be better off than they are right now. There's no doubt about that. Looking at their team, They've got Yarmolenko, Felipe Anderson. Declan Rice is supposed to be the future of defensive midfield for England. Um, Robert Snaget, Sebastian Haller. They, it, you know, they have the ingredients, and they're just not performing right now. So I, I would not expect Pellegrini to be in, in charge at West Ham much longer. Um, but, you know... I also don't know who they are going to replace him with because, you know, is there a manager that that's out there that's better than Pellegrini for this West Ham side? I don't know, but it, it's really starting to look like a change is needed at West Ham because this, this run of form is, is bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it begs the question. I mean, there's, we got four managers right now who are, we're, you know, the first sacking has already happened. Um, we have four managers now who are who are up next, and it's going to be down. Like who who do, who is next? Who do you think is going to last the longest out of your Marco Silva's, your Manuel Pellegrini's, your Unai Emery's, and your Ali Gunnar Solskjaer's? Who's going to last the longest? Or who who is the first to go? I think that the first to go out of that bunch is going to be Marco Silva. There is strong. I'm surprised we haven't gotten that update yet. Yeah, there is strong reports that Marco Silva is going to be sacked, um, and the replacement is going to be a familiar face at David Park. Moyes. David Moyes. 
Yeah. What what year is it? Yeah, which one? So who's gonna Everton and West Ham? They'll both fire their managers and try and hire Moyes. Eh, that doesn't seem like a, a recipe for success, at least uh, as of late. But yeah, um, it is the recipe they're going to try and use. Um, let's let's uh, let's pivot away from this now. What, what what's what's next on the docket? What do we uh, say we were getting to? Arsenal, Southampton, or uh, Sheffield and Man United? Which one do you want to talk about first? Because I know which one I want to avoid. Arsenal, Southampton, baby. Damn it! All right, two-two uh, is the final at the Emirates. Um, Lacazette scores Arsenal's both of Arsenal's goals. Uh, Danny Ings, how old is Danny Ings? Scored in the eighth minute. James Ward-Prowse in the seventy-first. <sighs> there's uh, a lot to be said about this Arsenal team, and there's uh, definitely a lot uh, to be desired. Um, they leave a lot, yeah. Listless. They to to go against Southampton, a team who is in nineteenth relegation. The nineteenth, nine points. Um, a team that at home gave up nine goals to Leicester City. Um, you're playing at the Emirates, which historically Arsenal, even when they struggle, they they tend to do pretty well uh, at the Emirates, um, especially against the the lower half of the table. Um. Basically, anyone outside the big six, Arsenal do pretty well against uh, at, at the Emirates, and yeah. even some in the big six, like, you know, whether it be against Chelsea occasionally or, um, you know, Tottenham. Yeah, what, they, they usually don't lose those home North London derbies. Whether or not they win them is a different right. question, but they usually don't lose those. But um, To go down, to be down against Southampton, they ultimately got that equalizer and one of the one of the worst sequences I've really... I've watched the end of the game, and that's pretty much all I saw of it. But there was multiple times where Southampton were able to counterattack and get on a break uh, after a listless Arsenal attack and somehow looked like they were going to, you know, add goals on and sort of fluff their lines, and which let the Gunners get back into it. Um, nothing from this game felt deserved for anyone. Um, Could they both go home with no points? That's what it felt like should happen because Arsenal were tr- like it seemed like they were trying to give the game away, um, and Southampton just couldn't score, get that final goal. They had a couple close close calls, um, but unable to score. And then I just it, part of me just had a feeling that like just because they didn't score though, like they're going to give up something and it's going to be it's going to be a crap goal. And it was it was you know a scramble and you know just I think it was off a deflection or like off a off a save and. Fell to Lacazette and they got the goal and it was just like it, so much to be desired. So, the weird thing about this goal is like, on Twitter there were plenty of people upset that he even scored it because you figure if you lose at home to Southampton, uh, the manager, the manager goes. Um, especially considering he should already have gone. Um, I don't know, Zach. He's got five games. Stop! Please stop. Dude, he's got five games. Um, yeah, so, but also the fact that, you know, people, oh, he shouldn't have scored because he, Unai Emery would have gotten sacked is also a little bit weird because the board should not be thinking, ah, that one goal, that saves Emery's job. Just like one loss should not dictate to whether to or not. Southampton. Yeah, one, one loss should not dictate whether or not he goes. So it should have been 
seeing this performance, seeing Arsenal outshot by uh, Southampton, um, that should have been enough for them to go. You know, having 60% of the ball and allowing 21 shots and only getting 12 is pretty bad. Now, Arsenal have been outshot by over 50 goals this season. Last year, as a whole, they were outshot by about 30, I want to say 34, 35. Under Arsene Wenger, the worst that they had done, at least in recent years, was they outshot the opponent by 70. But they were usually consistently outshooting the opponent by around 200, one, between 150 and 200. And right now, they're, through 13 matches, they have conceded 50 more shots than they have taken. That's not a recipe for success. Um, the sample size is big enough for you know to be able to say that's not good. They go at home. They go with a back five against Southampton. They went with Socrates, David Luiz, and Callum Chambers. They did take Chambers off at halftime um, to switch to a back four, but it just all looks wrong. It all looks wrong. Um, fair play to fair play to Southampton for getting the result. They actually deserved more, which we have said. But this it's it's troubling times at the Emirates right now. Who do you bring in? Because we have to assume we have to assume Emery is going to go. Um, this they what they they they're giving him a couple. They're giving him five matches. Uh, something are, like that. Are those, yeah. So like they have what do they have next? Norwich City. Yeah, I mean, that could be a big one if they if they lose a game like that. I mean, who knows? Then they play Brighton. So they play Norwich, Brighton, West Ham, and then Man City. So most of those, and then they play Everton. So for the most part, it's a pretty easy run for them. Um, they had that big game against Man City, but the other teams that they're playing are truly, I mean, Brighton has had an okay season. Um, you know, they sit in 12th, but the other ones, Everton, West Ham, Norwich, all struggling. So we have to assume, I mean, I don't know what we can predict for them in those matches, but say he goes, he's gone before the new year. Who do you bring in at Arsenal Football Club to to uh, write the ship? So I'll, I'm going to give you three. I, I have five managers in mind. Three of whom could be realistic and two, wait, two which are more long shots. One because of the manager who it is for one of them and the other just because the experience may not be quite what you want. But... The, the three managers that seem realistic to me, um, Allegri, and this is not in any particular order um, in those two groups that I'm mentioning, but Allegri um, should be one considered the former Juventus manager. Um, Mikel Arteta, the assistant coach at Manchester City, former Arsenal player. And number three, um, which would be more of a caretaker type thing, because I'm not sure they should appoint anyone permanently at this point anyway. Um, it might just be an end-of-the-season thing, and then we'll 
reassess from there. But number three would be Rafa Benitez. Okay. Ars- Arsenal are bad in, you know, with their... They're, they're bad in every area of the pitch right now. But defensively is where they've been poor for years now. And midfield organization. And those are the two strong uh, strong spots for Benitez. Yeah, then the, it just doesn't even seem like they have a style of play. No, it doesn't. They because they don't. They don't have. There's no plan. There's no plan. Um, and people criticize, and me included. I I I, I criticize Arsene Wenger for not having a plan B. I didn't think it was possible that Arsenal could bring in a manager that really did not have much of a plan A. He just writes eleven names down on the team sheet and. They're left to figure out the rest. Now, the two long shots, the the one long shot is my is the obvious one in recently sacked Spurs manager uh, Mauricio Pochettino. Um, I think I could not rate him higher, um, and I think he would be great at Arsenal. I don't think one they'll even go after him because they're that close-minded, but two, even if they offered him um, a contract that you would think no one could turn down, I don't think he'd accept it. I think he's going to wait for um, either Bayern or Real Madrid or Manchester United. Now, the other long shot is Patrick Vieira, a former player, another former player at Arsenal. He's not having the, you know the most successful season in Nice, but last season they did pretty well um, when he was managing NYCFC and MLS. Um, he did a fairly good job, and he earned his move to, to Nice. Um, and that that hire, that appointment to me would be like, why not? Like, let's give it a shot. It could work out really well. It could work out poorly, and in that case, he doesn't continue on next season. But I don't think really right now. I don't think there's a manager that can get them into the top four by the end of the season. But I do think that uh, I do think that someone could come in and possibly have them, uh, you know, in the same situation they were in last year, last season, and uh, trying to get to the Champions League via winning the Europa League. Rafa Benitez. Out of those five managers, who one who do you think would be the best appointment, and who do you think would be the most realistic? Um, and think, and if there's a name off the top of your head that you think Arsenal should go after, feel free to throw that in the mix. Sam Allardyce, no. Um, <laughs> oh my I, god. <laughs> um, I've, Arsene I've, Wenger. I'm, you keep talking. I'm going to go throw up. Um, no, I think. I mean, I think Rafa's a good point. I think Rafa. Would be a would be a solid underrated um, hire for Arsenal, and it would, I don't think it would be anything long term that they could hope for. Um, Arteta would be exciting, you know, coming from a Chelsea standpoint with a, a former player um, taking over, up and coming manager. It's it's always exciting, and even when you get that, even when results aren't always there, you have the promise of you know it's going to get better, and this is you know this is going to be a process, and that sort of lightens the load a little bit um allegri would i i'd say be the dream signing you know as much as i, I do like pochettino i don't think that he's ever going to go to 
um, arsenal. Um, not just down to a loyalty to Tottenham. It's just I don't I don't think it's the right fit for him. It just doesn't feel. There, there's not um, much attraction to the job. I wouldn't think right now anyway. Right. Um, but a, a manager like Allegri would have to be um, would have to be the dream. And I I think I he's he is a manager I could see going to Arsenal. Um, but I mean, the one thing we can agree on is that uh, Unai Emery is not the answer, and he hasn't been. Um, Unai Emery is not a bad guy. He's not a bad manager. He's just having a bad evening. Does, yeah, yeah. You know, he he's won things. He's won trophies. He won three straight Europa leagues. You know, given you know the circumstances, you know it, he he's not the guy. He's just right. Whether it's the timing or just they were never the right fit in the first place. Unai Emery and Arsenal, it's not a good marriage. The divorce needs to come. All right? like, And that's not an easy thing for, uh, for the board who appointed him to admit, clearly, because if it was easy to admit, he wouldn't be in charge anymore. But he should not be in charge at Arsenal anymore, and I think that that list is comprehensive enough. And if they go with a, a candidate that's not on the list of that I just named, fine with me. But a, a change is needed. Indeed. Now on to our final talking point: Sheffield United three, Manchester United three. <sighs> Sheffield lead two 0 Lose their lead. United go ahead 3-2 with three goals in a seven-minute span and only to drop points by giving up a 90th-minute goal. So John Fleck in the 19th minute, Liz Mousset in the 52nd. Then it's Brandon Williams with his first senior goal, a first-time hit, very good goal. Mason Greenwood then, so we have two teenagers score. And then Marcus Rashford gives United the lead only for it to then be lost. This kind of reminds me of that match they had against Palace where, you know, they're away to Palace. Were they away or was it a home match? Now that I think, I think it might have been at Old Trafford. Um, Palace lead. Then Daniel James scores a late equalizer and celebrates like he's the king of the world. And Rashford and Martial absolutely are furious. They're like, get the fuck back to the center line. We're trying to win this. And they ended up losing. Um, Classic. They, they put themselves, they come back, whether or not they, they take the lead or they, you know, come level and then they still end up conceding. Um, troubling times at United and for, uh, for one, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. This yeah, is how, it's it's incredible to see the the difference in you know success for Frank Lampard as a former player and the the poor run for uh, Solskjaer as a former player. Yeah, I, I think I mean I think there's a quality that some managers have and some don't. I think it's you know we've seen you know you look at uh, Ali's record overall, not just with Manchester United. Um, He's struggled. You know, he's been relegated. We've said this multiple times. Um, Frank Lampard's a young manager, but he has something about him that I think um, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer does not. And it doesn't matter what qual- like what your team is, what, what quality is, uh, you know, of the of the side. 
you got to have a plan. And you look at you look at Lampard, it looks like there's a clear plan in place at Chelsea. Manchester United, I don't know what that plan is. I don't know, uh, when, you know, when they set out for a match, I don't know what their style is. I don't know what, I don't know what their game plan is. And um, at times, changing things up allows a spark and bringing on these young players. Great to see them get goals. Um, but the spine is weak. And, you know, the backbone falls apart and they give up a goal. And the Sheffield United team, we got to say stuff about them because they have two draws against teams like Tottenham and Manchester United recently. They drew Chelsea earlier this season. But in these two recent draws that they've had, they should feel hard done by it. They they should feel they deserve to win those games against a team like Tottenham and against a team like Manchester United. Um, and that just speaks a lot for what Chris Wilder has done at Sheffield, and it also speaks a lot for what Manchester United is going through right now. Sheffield United in sixth place. Four wins, three losses, six draws. But they have not lost since the 1-0 defeat to Liverpool in September. Uh, they're just... Defensively, they're a very uh, organized, compact team defensively. They are second best in the league this season. Uh, sorry, sorry, third best um, after giving up three goals. They're be- only behind the top two, Liverpool and Leicester City, as far as goals allowed are concerned. Um, and this Sheffield United team, they're absolutely exceeding everyone's expectations. So... Yeah. They go up against Wolves next. Who would have thought? December 1st, Wolves-Sheffield, 5th versus 6th. Yeah, a top 6, a Europa League 6-pointer, if you will. Oh, yeah. Both both of these teams, um, you know, promoted the last two seasons. Um, Yeah, it was Wolves. It was Wolves' first season in the Premier League last year, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, so... Even more incredible to see. And these, you know, there's just, Sheffield, it doesn't seem like, you know, we've, we've seen teams who were promoted, like, you know, Huddersfield had a strong start to the season, but they didn't keep it consistently um, the way that Sheffield United are. Um, and, you know, they've put in multiple strong performances against um, top six, you know, uh, opposition, big six opposition. Um, and Wolves... Started the season off really slow, but we know the quality that they have, and um, uh, they've done well in the Europa League, and they're starting to it's starting to come together in the Premier League, which is a scary sight for for some of these other teams. You know, Wolves is never an easy game to to play, and they're, they're never an easy team to play, and they got the quality, and um, it's showing now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's going to be a very exciting game. Really looking forward to that. So uh, let me just recap the results we have not discussed um, before we uh, close things up. Um, Wolves did get a 2-1 win away against Bournemouth. Leicester won 2-0 away against Brighton. Norwich won 2-0 away against Everton. Burnley won 3-0 away against Watford. And uh, Aston Villa with a 2-0 home win against Newcastle United to round things out. Um, But Going forward, you know, next week we don't have a big, we don't have a big, uh, a big six derby, if you will. Um, but I'm sure one of those teams that we expect to bounce back and win will disappoint us, um, and 
listen, man, I'm looking forward to talk about it. The December uh, fixture list is out of control, so we will be talking um, probably a couple times a week, whether or not it's me and you, me and a guest, you and a guest, but um, there's plenty to discuss. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Footy Adieu. Um, please like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen in on that will help us be seen and heard by more listeners. Um, and Jared, as always, pardon our French. <laughs>